The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. No matter what your religious background is, if you're a parent, you bear the awesome responsibility of raising your children. We're concerned about the company they keep, we're concerned about their health, their education and safety, but most of all, their eternal destiny. For a Christian parent, the matter of our children's and grandchildren's salvations is the most profound desire of our hearts. The thought of our child in hell is more than any godly parent can bear. If you are a Christian parent, I want to encourage you today to evangelize your children early. And we can learn a lot from our elders in the faith, the Jewish people, especially their practice of regularly blessing their children. Jesus himself blessed, and that means he prayed over even nursing infants. And he said, the kingdom of God belongs to those who become like children. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. The Bible teaches that every child is born with a sin nature. And there's not one of us who hasn't been affected by the virus of sin. None is immune. But the Bible also teaches that very young children are in a period of innocence before they reach the age of accountability for their actions. When they're babes, even though they've inherited the sin nature, God doesn't hold them accountable. And if they die at an early age before they can understand sin and punishment, they'll go to God to heaven. But after a child reaches the age of accountability, and that age varies from person to person, usually it's considered to be the age of when a young Jewish man has his bar mitzvah at age 13. Then they'll be responsible for the consequences of their actions and behavior. They must learn what the Bible teaches about right and wrong, about sin and salvation. An important survey by the International Bible Society indicated that more than 80% of all Christians make their commitment to follow the Lord Jesus between the young ages of 4 and 14. That is, when their children are in their early youth. The Barner Research Group also conducted a survey showing that American children ages 5 to 13 have a 32% probability of receiving Jesus. But after that age, the likelihood drops dramatically. Youth or teens age 14 to 18 have only a 4% probability to receive the Lord. And the way society has been trending, adults age 19 and over have just a 6% probability of becoming followers of Jesus. So the bottom line is, reach people when they're young. All of this data illustrates the importance of influencing and reaching children when they're tender-hearted. We must do all we can to influence them to consider making a decision to follow Jesus. 
Because the ages 4 to 14 are such a large slice of the evangelical pie, many Christians have started to refer to the 414 window as the best time of opportunity for a person to be saved. It's a fact that many people today who serve as career cross-cultural missionaries testify that they first sense the call of God during the 4 to 14 age period. I myself, by the grace of God, received the Lord in a public worship service led by my father of blessed memory when I was about five years old. Although I'd known the Lord already from an open vision when I was a toddler and he came and healed me. If you were born again later in life, chances are the seeds of faith were planted in you by faithful parents, by a grandparent, or some other caring relative in your early years. So let's take the opportunity that God gives us to reach the young people in our lives and families. The Bible cartoon series Superbook is, for example, an extremely important tool of evangelism. It not only teaches the Bible, but also has a salvation theme song in many languages. Reach them young. My husband, who's also a minister of the gospel, was evangelized by a family in his neighborhood when he was a young boy. And both of our sons prayed to receive the Lord when their hearts were young and tender. And before all the rebellious arguments coming from the world could stop them from bowing to the Lordship of the Savior. Parents should pray much and watch for evidences of our children wanting to put their trust safely in Jesus as Savior. Well, in the New Testament in Ephesians 6, 4, parents are encouraged to gain the affection of our children, not to irritate and provoke them, but to bring them up it says, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nurture means training, and admonition means teaching. Two different activities, both very important. According to Genesis 18:19, Abraham, the father of faith, was chosen by God because God said, For I have known him. God had foreknowledge of Abraham's character, and so he elected him. God said, for I know that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. This means that God knew Abraham would do well with his parental authority. He'd take it seriously, and that the important covenants of God could be made with him and his offspring. The Bible teaches that a child's future, while we can't predict it, we can help to mold it through training them when their character is soft and while they're impressionable like warm wax. I just can't imagine the many dangerous courses my own life could have taken if I had not been raised by godly parents who taught me the way. When I see so many people in trouble all around me, I can only thank God that I had parents who taught me how to resist temptations and pitfalls. All of us who serve the Lord have many mentors to thank. The Bible holds out hope for those of us who are parents 
that we can greatly influence the course of the lives of our children. In fact, we are stewards of their young and impressionable lives. And one of the most important scriptures and promises for parents is, of course, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. What a comfort this verse is to parents of prodigals, those once godly offspring who have rebelled and become hostile to the Lord. However, the verse promises that the foundation laid in children's lives by faithful parents and guardians will not return void. The children will return to the Lord. As parents, we must train our children to decide moral decisions by principles taught in the Bible, not by feelings or relativism. How many times have we seen an unruly child on an airplane or in a restaurant or misbehaving out in public, and the parent either lets them run wild or shouts at them in an ungodly manner? They aren't teaching the child restraint. The homes and schools aren't teaching the Ten Commandments. And we have on our hands a whole generation of spoiled rebels. Bible commentaries teach that parents must train their children to honor and to revere them, to respect authority, and train them in moderation and in lessons of honesty. Train them by example, by family devotionals, Bible reading together, family prayer. And then when the child is older, he won't easily depart from the way that he or she has been brought up. Strongly encourage children to go to God in prayer for everything that comes up in life. They need to know the lesson that there's no prayer request too big or too small for God to answer. Especially inspire children to love truth. Be careful to teach modesty as well and warn them against being handled by others in an inappropriate manner. It can be very dangerous. Many churches come up with flashy youth programs to try to attract hordes of young people. But studies show that the youth who attend shallow programs don't return to church after college. On the other hand, churches where the youth are encouraged, listened to, and discipled with Bible studies are where they tend to return even after college. This means that youth who experience some kind of regular spiritual growth keep their faith past university. According to one study, over 85% of youth who don't experience any spiritual growth at their churches do not become churchgoers later on in life. But youth in small groups where there's been sound Bible teaching and caring leaders they tend to become stable Christians for life. Well, another statistic that's alarming, and I'd venture to say it's probably a conservative figure. I read a survey that up to 60% of evangelical Christian teenagers between the ages of 14 to 20 have experimented at least once with an occult activity, such as a Ouija board or some type of witchcraft that they assumed was just innocent. But according to the Bible, there's no such thing as innocent witchcraft. 
And less than 20% of these teenagers said that they'd been warned in their churches or in their homes about the dangers of dabbling in the occult or experimenting with the dark side. While Jesus knew the value of influencing young people, and by example, he taught us about the importance of blessing and praying over young people, even newborns and nursing infants. They can never be too young. In Luke 18.15, parents brought even their babies to Jesus so that he would bless them. And the Gospel of Mark gives us the detail that Jesus took them up in his arms to bless them. So not just grown persons sought the touch of Jesus, but parents were bringing their babies to him. And the word implies newborns nursing infants. No doubt some of these babies were sick and the parents wanted them to be healed by Jesus. According to the Bible commentaries, the Arabic and Persic versions of this verse read that they were even bringing their babies to him in order for him to pray over them and to bless them. So the purpose in their minds was for Jesus to invoke a blessing on their children. Having Jesus to lay his anointed hands upon the children was something that they lawfully coveted. The laying on of hands for the impartation of blessings is still a time-honored Jewish custom that goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And in this day, in Jewish communities, it's customary to bless the children on Friday night before the Sabbath meal. This is very empowering for young people. Traditionally, the Aaronic priestly blessing is recited over them, followed by the blessing that Jacob bestowed upon his grandchildren, the sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. Daughters are blessed to follow in the footsteps of the Jewish matriarchs. They'll be like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. So the Jews in Jesus' day highly valued the blessing of a rabbi. They perceived that the Lord's blessing would be a prayer that would attract God's favor to their children. But amazingly, when the disciples saw Jesus obviously enjoying and accommodating the parents' wishes, they began to rebuke the people. And this tells us so much, especially today with the deception of mass abortions. Children are too easily treated as useless intrusions. In the estimation of the disciples, Jesus' time and efforts should only have been spent on the adults. So many times the disciples got it wrong, didn't they? There was another incident in the Gospels where Jesus was passing through Jericho and a blind beggar named Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the people tried to shut him up, but he just yelled louder and louder until he got the Lord's attention and his healing. And in this case of blessing the children, the disciples rebuked the people. All of us are prone to get things wrong, but as long as we're open to the Lord's correction, we can learn and succeed. Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. 
Truly, Jesus said, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it at all. As important as the blessing was to the parents, it was deemed unimportant and even pointless to the disciples. Like many today, they were deceived by the worldview that children are a nuisance. But what was the reaction of Jesus? He called for them. Literally in the Greek, called is summoned. He summoned for the children. Jesus gave the parents and the children a summons. Mark 10, 14 tells us, when Jesus saw the disciples trying to stop the parents, he was indignant. The Greek word here means angry. It was holy anger that Jesus felt because he said the children belong to the kingdom and the kingdom belongs to them without qualification. This incident involving parents bringing their babies and children to be blessed by Jesus is recorded in all three of the synoptic gospels in Matthew 19, in Mark 10, and Luke 18. One of the things we learn by watching Jesus bless the children is the importance and necessity of bringing the young to Jesus. And he demonstrated the sooner the better. Jesus said the kingdom consists of people who become humble like little children. And I want to quote what one Bible teacher said about this. He said, it's a stunning, dramatic thing that Jesus says about the children and the shock waves of his words are still reverberating in the theological world. This particular passage of Jesus blessing children has created no end of discussion amongst theologians. But in the day of Jesus, a works righteousness system was dominated by the Pharisees. The whole idea of the kingdom of God was that you entered the kingdom when you achieved a certain moral spiritual level, a level of religious devotion and achievement, and then you were considered to be acceptable to God. No one in that kind of system had a place for a baby because babies didn't know anything and they certainly couldn't achieve anything. Well, in Matthew's account, this happened in front of a mega crowd, no doubt numbering in the thousands. And in every one of those crowds, there were always religious hypocrites who tried to trap Jesus in his words and discredit him in front of the people. But in spite of all of this, the Lord went ahead and embraced children, blessing them without any caveat. And what is this a picture of? It's a picture of salvation by grace. Salvation is by unmerited favor. It comes from the Savior. And concerning the children on Palm Sunday in Jerusalem, who was it that praised him? Well, the little children also praised him. But in Matthew 21, the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things Jesus did and the children shouting, Hosanna to the son of David in the temple courts. And that made them indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. And have you never read? And he quoted Psalm 8 too. From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. The teachers were shocked and greatly annoyed that the children should give to Jesus what amounted to worship. 
And so they had appealed to him to put a stop to such blasphemous behavior. But Jesus saw no reason to silence the little children. In fact, they were fulfilling a messianic prophecy. Jesus answered the jealous religious leaders, Why are you surprised at this? Doesn't the scriptures teach that out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, the Lord has perfected praise? That phrase, thou hast perfected praise, is from the Septuagint Bible. And the Hebrew text renders it, thou hast ordained strength, meaning God is praised by the weak when they give him due reverence. Jesus was, of course, very well aware that children are sinners, but he also knew that they're not responsible for their behavior in the early years. And so Jesus is saying that all children belong to God in a very special way. And for this reason, Jesus blessed them, laying his hands upon them. Children are under a special grace until they're responsible for their behavior. In Matthew chapter 18, the disciples came to the Lord and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? No doubt they cherished grandiose thoughts and hopes for themselves. But Jesus burst their bubble by calling a little child over to him and placing the child as an example among them. He said, Truly I tell you, unless you're converted and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, he said, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So to their astonishment, Jesus pointed to little children as the model to which members of his kingdom must aspire. The attributes of children, humility, simplicity, and especially a teachable spirit are just the opposite of conceit, raw ambition, and self-seeking. And Jesus added, whoever welcomes one child in my name welcomes me. Tragically, consider the perils and plague of pedophilia and child abuse that's going on in these terrible last days of apostasy. In fact, Jesus issued a dire warning in Matthew 18, verse 6. He said, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a huge millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. The child was probably still standing in their midst when Jesus added verse 10. See that you don't despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. That's an amazing teaching. Jesus spoke of the reality of guardian angels. He said children's guardian angels are angels of the Lord's presence who, like Gabriel, stand before the face of God and behold the beatific vision, seeing God face to face. Well, I hope as a result of looking today at some of the scriptures regarding children, we have a better appreciation of the Lord's love and special concern for them. In the commentaries that I've studied this week, one man of God suggested to parents that you can't begin too early evangelizing your children. God should be spoken of to the very youngest, and the name of Jesus should become very familiar to them. 
not, God forbid, as an expletive, but reverentially as the Savior, as Lord. Childhood is the best time to evangelize children because rebellion to God and hostility to truth haven't been awakened in them. In young children, there's an openness, a sweetness, and a susceptibility to honor the truth and not resist truth. It's in the early years of tenderness that our children are the most open to gospel influence. And please don't assume that your child or grandchild will come to a saving knowledge of the Lord apart from the help of your influence. Don't just pack them off to Sunday school or church and hope that the church or a vacation Bible school will somehow do the job. Teach them godly principles all the time. Speak frequently of the Lord and read the Bible to them on a daily basis if possible. After all, Deuteronomy 11:19 gives parents these instructions. It says, teach the word to your children, talking about it when you sit in the house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. You can anticipate life's temptations and trials and then teach your children the proper responses. Teach them to pray when they're sick and to pray over family members who are ill for healing. Build up their faith for all sorts of answered prayers. Share the good news with them. The gospel in a sentence goes like this. Jesus the Savior died on the cross for all our sins and he rose from the dead and has gone to heaven to prepare a place for us. And he's coming again as King of Kings. Also share with your children the ABCs of the gospel and encourage them to respond. A, admit that you're a sinner and you need to be saved. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. B, believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead in order to pay for your sins and purchase a home for you in heaven. Acts 16.31, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved, you and your household. C stands for a call to God in faith, and ask him to save you. For Romans 10:13 promises that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Well, meanwhile, I invite you to write me and feel free to do so with any questions or testimonies of how this program has helped. We can stay in touch through the social media and also in our website, exploits.tv. In our website, you can subscribe to our free electronic magazine, Exploits, as well as receive our weekly email updates. Also at our website, all of our previous videos are available continuously, as well as an archive of articles on end-time topics, faith, and healing. And now you can download our free Jerusalem Channel app from your favorite app store to watch our videos on your mobile phones or tablets. Our app also offers details of our upcoming events and a daily Bible reading plan. And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Darg, Maranatha, and Shalom.